We're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to Soul of Enterprise, Business in the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. I'm Ed Kless with my good friend and co-host Ron Baker, and on today's show, Ron, we are talking about memorable mentors, Tom Peters. Yes, Mr. Peters. Mr. Peters, <laughs> Mr. Peters, the original, I don't know what you would call him, showman of, of, of business. He, well, um, you know, he certainly kind of started the genre of business books, didn't he? I mean, I, I mean, at a mass market level. Correct. Right, right. There was Drucker clearly before sure. that, right? Sure. And there were others, but I don't think it, what, what's in search sold, Ed, like 6 million copies oh. more? Some stupid number of copies. Yeah, it's incredible. What's In Search of Excellence has sold. And that's how I was introduced to him is In Search of Excellence was on my dad's bookshelf and he read it in the small company that he worked for in Brooklyn. They manufactured rolling doors and and I remember him talking about it and being excited about it. And I, I guess it was my junior year in college. I was commuting into the city. I'd had an internship at the Bank of New York and I... Took the took the book, you know, and and because everybody, what you do on the train on the way in is you read. So that's what you do. Sure. And and uh, there were, you know, there's no there was no listening to podcasts. There was there was no books on tape. There was it was newspapers and books. And I I plowed through in search of excellence and and was excited by it. And but but I have to say that it, I really got more excited when I got a chance to see him in person. But. Before I, I tell that story, I just wanted to give some some background for those of you not aware of, of Tom Peters and some of his his background. Uh, Tom is getting up there, Ron. He's 76, but he looks good. Last time I've seen him, anyway, looks really good. Sure. So, but he uh, his book, In Search of Excellence, he co-authored with a guy by the name of uh, Robert Waterman. They were both consultants out of the McKinsey office. And as he tells the story, they were, they were out of the, the, the San Francisco office. The hippie office. That's right, the hippie office, which is he said as, as, it was as close as close to hippies in suits as you could get. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Right, and they they were both, I guess, given this this little mini project that I guess nobody else wanted, which was trying to put together and understand basically why the the Japanese were eating our lunch, as it, as they said. Uh, and what they came up with was this this thing called In Search of Excellence, which, like you said, it was a huge bestseller. And then in uh, the early 1980s, it was put into a, a it was a PBS special with a couple episodes that that Peters hosted. I don't know what happened to Waterman. Maybe it was wasn't as, as photogenic, but Peters really burst on to the scene at that point. And then it was, you know, bestseller after bestseller after bestseller, a passion for excellence. You got to do a follow-up 
Thriving on Chaos, Liberation Management, the Tom Peters Seminar, Crazy Times, Call for Crazy Organizations, the Pursuit of WOW, which is when I encountered him during his Pursuit of WOW tour in, of all places, Fargo, North Dakota, mm-hmm. when I was a, when I was a, a partner for, for Great Plains Software at the time. Right. We, uh, he, 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 was, he was brought in to deliver a full day at, at what they used to call Stampede. Now, this was unheard of back then to dedicate an entire day of content to one person, you know, th- this was the, the days of the classic one hour and, you know, we still have them, the one hour presentation that you just roll into next to next to next to next. Right. Sure. But no, they dedicated an entire day to Tom Peters and we sat on the, the floor of, I don't even think it was the Fargo dome. I think it was the, 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 the Fargo civic center. It was before the, they, we did some stuff in the Fargo dome, which is where the, with the uni- university of North Dakota, UND plays their football game. Uh, games um but anyway we were we're all kind of packed in there and peters is just doing his stuff did you ever see him live ron i did not you did not but you've seen him videos of him right sure sure and he and he just rants around and stalks like a lunatic yeah not only on the stage but off the stage (laughs) through the aisle screaming at people spitting on people including me um it was called the the tom peters baptism Right. It sounds like David Meister. Yeah, I guess sprinkled a little bit. And at, at at one point in his presentation, he's just he's he's just ranting about something. And suddenly he just he turns and pivots and in an aside and in a really low voice looks right at me and says, What have you done today to disturb the status quo? And then he just walks on and then like continues his, his previous thought. So I don't know why I was the target uh, <laughs> of that, but that was an omen, Ed. That was it an was omen. an, it was an omen, I suppose. Uh, and, and I've appreciated that ever since. In fact, the guy who was sitting next to me was a, a great plains team num- member and uh, named uh, Gary Schaefer. And every once in a while, Gary or I would email one another, asking what have you done today to disturb the status quo that would that was we would just put that in the in the the subject line of the email and we each had to respond with that and that <laughs> that that kind of that kind of kept me going for a while i got to tell you he he definitely fires you up he was he was a he's a preacher he's yep. a preacher <laughs> yep who who got who still gets upset at things i mean like like pissed at the fact somebody said i think it might have been waterman his co-author Tom's not pissed off about something is not effective or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't doubt it. Wouldn't doubt it. Right. It just, he just, he just required, and he, and that's, that's the word he used. He's like, and I was, and I'm pissed. I'm just, I'm really pissed at this. <laughs> and believe it or not, one of the things that he was pissed about was Peter Drucker. Yes. I, I I'm picking that up, looking through his things. I, it, you know, he, he got his MBA ed and his PhD in organizational behavior at Stanford in his thirties. Yep. And he was a Navy C- CB before that. So I guess he's got an engineering degree as well. Is that right? Yes, yes that is yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. And, and he did, he did, uh, he was deployed twice in Vietnam and he sur- quote unquote, he survived a tour in the Pentagon. He was extremely pissed off at Robert McNamara, justifiably so. <laughs> 
but he called him the Peter Drucker of the Pentagon. And I'm sorry, that's completely out of line. Peter Drucker is not at all like Robert McNamara. No, I, and I agree. I, I, there, I remember reading in preparation for the show some, somewhere, something like there was one particular book of, of Drucker's that Peters just did not like or responded very badly to, mostly because it was all about top-down control, mm-hmm. right? And, and I think that that was, that was part of the, 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 the biggest challenge that he, he saw with Drucker is you know but think consider when Drucker's reading writing and probably the it's probably written in the 40s so yeah <laughs> sure is probably the study of general motors you know yeah whole, yeah right which yes it was about top down control i mean would it have been better if they had adopted management theory that we have in place today i don't know maybe what part of it was needed because a lot of these guys were just coming back from the military and in, in world war ii and that's that's what was was just that we had we had just won world war ii and maybe this is what the, what the style that was was needed at the time you know to make things happen but and and, and drucker was you know critical of gm in that book in fact he didn't think they'd allow it to be published and alfred sloan said oh no no you can publish it say whatever you want we want we want the truth right and and he was he you know he he did uh that it goes back to drucker saying oh you know don't treat your your people like their costs right their investments and right you know it wasn't so much the knowledge economy yet because that came a decade later but it was that type of thinking and it was that organic you know humanities type approach mm-hmm. so i i think you know looking at the stuff i prep for um peters is really aligned with drucker in a lot of ways yeah that's the that's the irony right and and i think he took it out really on mcnamara or took it out on drucker for what he saw from mcnamara at, at gm Right. And, and, and McNamara was Ford, not GM. Uh, and I don't think Drucker had much of an influence on McNamara because McNamara was an idiot. <laughs> the so-called well, whiz kids, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah they yeah. came up with the oh. Ford. McNamara is the guy that came up with the Ford Falcon. One of the engineers right. said, yeah, the, the, the guy that wears granny glasses designs a granny car. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then McNamara was, of course, the one and, and, and admitted as much later that, he, you know, when he ran ran the, the the Department of Defense, the whole body count thing in Vietnam and what a disaster that was. So, oh, yeah, it was the epitome of what you can measure, you can manage and then having the wrong measurement. Right. Right. That you know, <laughs> body count. Yes, you got rid of Viet Cong, but you also created Viet Cong because you're just killing people indiscriminately. <laughs> You probably saw this too, Ed, but I got a kick out of this. The people at McKinsey, when when In Search of Excellence came out, they chortled as they ceded to Peters and Waterman the royalties for any sales over 50,000 copies. <laughs> they, they were like, that's never going to happen because it, it books business books back then probably didn't sell that many. And of course, he did go on to sell 6 million, at least as of 2009. I, I don't know what it would be now, but... right. Right. Well, it's still, it still sells pretty well. I mean, it's, yeah. it still sells pretty well. Yeah. And of course that's where, that's where uh, the, the, the seven S model appeared or at least was right. popularized. I'm sure it was someplace else. And, and of course, but that's in its original form. We, I think we did a show on the modified seven S model. So we'll, we'll post a link up to that show, but, uh, uh, 
that, but it, it did. The book was based on using that model. So, right. Right. So yep. anyway, uh, well, you know what, Ron, we're let, let's do our first break here a little bit early for it, but we can, we, it's a good breaking time. We want to remind you that you can get a hold of Ron or me by sending an email to ask TSOE at verisage.com. Of course, the website is the soul of enterprise.com as well. And we have show notes there as well as previews to upcoming shows, our calendar page and the all important archive page where you can go back and listen to all 200 and what is it? 50 plus of our shows at this point. Uh, but right now a word from our sponsor. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Wherever your business is headed, Sage has the cloud solution you need to enable mobile accounting and simplify financial management. Discover how moving your financial data and accounting processes to the cloud can transform your business. Cloud accounting software from Sage can help you make better decisions, drive faster responses, and gain greater control. That's cloud accounting for the journey. For more information, visit sage.com forward slash US forward slash SOE. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Solemn Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And we are back on The Soul of Enterprise talking about memorable mentors and Tom Peters. Ron, I, I will have to say that, that one of the reasons why I wanted to do this show is, although I don't always agree with Tom Peters, certain things I think that he got very right. Uh, and I'm going to, going to share some of those with you, but more than anything, I think he influenced the style of presentation that I do. I mentioned, you know, his walking around and ranting, you know, before that pretty much every speech that was given was somebody standing behind a podium. Right. 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 And, you know, he was the, he was the first one, I think to insist on wireless microphones or at least handhelds and, walk out there. And the other thing that I always really appreciated from him is he, he, he was not one to, you know, make sure that his, his slides were the prettiest ones. A lot of his slides are just red with white letters on them. Mm -hmm. And that, that was kind of his style. Sometimes just all bold face. Sometimes they just had, he would make up these crazy acronyms. Yeah, right. For 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 different things, which you know were, were kind of f fun, and it was like a just just a hook that you would try to you know MBWA management by wandering around mm -hmm. right? was was one of those things that he would he would throw those things out, and you know he de definitely did have have a little bit of this 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 ranting style to him, uh, but but I think 
I have to say, I've, I've borrowed a lot of his techniques. Like, and he was also very willing to share his slides. Like, you could always get a copy of them or download them once they be, they became available on the web. And to this day, you can go to tompeters.com and download his slides in, in PowerPoint format. And that always had a, a huge impact on me to think, okay, here's a guy willing to just completely give up the content because he knows that nobody can deliver it like he does. Sure. Yeah. Right. And he was able to take that, even if it was from quotes from different people, and just really embrace it and make it his his own. So I, I I have to say I was really affected by his style and have incorporated some of it, um, even to even the, the ranting, which I I think I've toned down over time, and he hasn't uh, to to, uh, to 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 being affected by Tom Peter. So what about you? Do you think that he had an impact on you at all like that? No, because I didn't really watch him until much, much later after I started speaking. I, I, I was a natural ranter on my topic anyway, so I didn't, <laughs> I didn't need any inspiration <laughs> on that point. Um, so yeah, no, I don't, I wouldn't say he, he's influenced me. What he did do for me, Ed, is he gave me a lot of very big ideas and themes and, and I'll share some of those with you as well, but I'm interested in what, what struck you about his work that you know, you've carried around with you all these years. I know the 7S model, obviously. Uh, right. And I was going to say, yeah, the 7S model certainly has c continued to impact me. And then certainly the modified 7S model that was modified by the people at Great Plains back in the in the early 80s that made some adjustments to that model that's presented in in uh, in search of excellence. But so I'm going to I'm going to kind of skip that because we have a whole show on that. Okay. Yep. And I'm actually going to jump to a series of books that he published in 1999 and it's called it's the reinventing work series and there are three of them and I'll just take I don't know what if there's an order for them but one of them is called the brand you 50 right another one is called the project 50 and then the right. other one is called the professional service firm 50 which by the way I believe I was introduced to David Meister in that book because David Meister is extensively quoted Right. And, and Ed, just on that, I think I told you, Peter's just did a podcast with Bill Sheridan, our friends at the, um, you know, BLI Business Learning Institute and, and Massachusetts Association of CPAs on their podcast, Future Ready. And he's got a new book out, actually, Pursuit, or something, I forget, I forget the name of it already. But anyway, he said, I, I wish people would have read that professional firm book in that series he said, because that's got it all in there about the pursuit of excellence and, and all that. He really, really touted that book and brand and brand you as well. But the professional one, for sure. Mm -hmm. He's always been yeah. intrigued with that professional firm model, which I don't think is as good as he thinks it is. But <laughs> well, so look at what he's transforming. And by the way, the, the 2018 book is called The Excellence Dividend. Oh, yeah. Excellence Dividend. Yes, thank you. Yeah, the excellence dividend. And so what was special about the, the professional service firm 50, Ron, is that it was not written for professional service firms. Right. That's right. Right. That's that's the really interesting part of it. The, the subtitle is 50 Ways to Transform Your, and this is in quotes, department into a professional service firm whose trademarks are passion and innovation. Right. Right. And what he's espousing in this book is, you know, if you wh why work in the accounting department when you can work in a department that when you you should you, you should try to get so good at your job 
that your competitors basically want to outsource their work to you. Right. Right. And if you view it as an internal professional service firm inside an organization, right, uh, you, you, can, you can do – his philosophy was you could do better things. You could do great things with it. Sure. Right, because you, ima- you imagine yourself in a different role. You imagine that you are, the, you are the professional to the one, and he always says client, which, and there's a, actually a thing in here on client that I'll, that I'll talk about, but, he, th- that you are the, and you, but you only have one client. Right. Right. And his notion is, is, but, but why not? Like toward the end of the book, he says, but why not? Why couldn't you branch out? And in a way, this is what we're seeing with the continuation and the explosion really in the last 18, 24 months of the, the client account advisory services. Yeah, for sure. Right. For sure. Which, which by the way, Ed, in, in his book, um, the Tom Peters seminar, which came out, which came out in May 94, he says, consider Arthur Anderson, big six accounting firm, they're offering, um, you know, contract financial management, which is a turnkey, you know, corporations, financial services operation, even providing the chief financial officer. So it used to be CFM. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now it's CA, CAS. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, and it is interesting that, you know, that, that this trend continues. So I, I think he, you know, de- he definitely was onto something here. And the big thing was, you know, turn your HR department into the, you know, the managing partner of HR Inc. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and your job is to, to, is to recruit really cool people. In fact, change your, change your title to finder of really cool people. Right. 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 Um, and he was big, big on the titles. But what I, I just wanted to 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 talk about this. This is in again the, the professional service firm fifty. His stuff on his client, and he this is you know he's very passionate about this the use of the word client. He says it's a, uh, McKinsey calls the people that who pay the bills clients. Make that capital C clients. Safeway on the other hand has customers, right. And never more or less the twain shall meet. He says, a client is a partner, someone with whom I have an intimate relationship, is with is in it with me for the long haul, someone with whom I can co-invent the future, someone with whom I have an emotional bond. And he goes on and on. And I think one of the challenges is, is that, that that word and its use in client has come to mean the exact opposite of what Peters is espousing here. And I think that's the problem, mm-hmm. right? That's one of the problems is yep. that they've used client, but, but they've treated them not, not in a way that Peters would think is, as is wow for a professional service firm. Yep. Right. Totally agree. I mean, you know, Carl Albrecht wrote service America, which came out in 85 and that mm-hmm. went on to sell millions of copies worldwide. And he's the one that really blasted the word client and really tried to put the word customer back into the lexicon of business. So think he would totally disagree with Peter's assessment of the word there. Yeah. yeah. And he just disagrees with the, the use of the word, not, not what it means though. Right. All right. of the, all of those things he would totally espouse. Um, I, I want to want to spend just a little bit of time here on also on the other, another book in this series called the brand you 50. Mm-hmm. Again, the subtitle of this book is 50 ways to transform yourself from an employee into a brand that shouts distinction, commitment, and passion. And look, th- this this book is the precursor for social media, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? And and the term you and I really love to hate, thought leadership. Oh, jeez, yep. Right, but if if you want if you want the original book on thought leadership and and 
and being active in social media, it's this little book called The Brand New 50. Yeah, oh, that's right. Right. And, and he, if you read this, what's, what's amazing is of course, you know, nowhere in here since it's 1999 is anything, is anything written at all (laughs) about social media, but it's, it's, he is talking about exactly what you need to do to really increase your, your knowledge. You know, he, and that's what he, he, he talks about this. Um, you know, forget about they, what are you doing? What, 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 if you eat, if we each had a market cap, what would our, what would our evaluation be and how do we increase that? And the answer of course is talk with other people, meet with other people, expand your social capital. Yep. Connections. Right? Yep. And his, his, the, the bit, his, his, his suggestion in here, which I just think is fascinating because you think this is almost exactly what happened with regard to social media. He says, create a yellow page ad for you. Hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, is that not what's, you know, our banner pages, right. Our individual Facebook page, our, pre, our, our physical or our, so, our social presence is essentially it's a Facebook ad for us. Right. 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 And then the last thing I want to point out just to get through all the, this entire series of books, and then I'll, I promise I'll let you talk in the next segment, Ron. <laughs> It's all right. It's all right. Is, uh, is uh, and I, again, let's re mention the year 1999, the Project 50, 50 Ways to Transform Every Task into a Project That Matters. And one of the things he says in here is that every project that you're involved with should have a website. Mm-hmm. And get it out there on the web. Get it out there on the web. He says, meet with web people. Find he, What he was basically describing is what what be what then became things like um wordpress right sure. and uh squarespace which is the one we use at uh, the soul of enterprise all of these things would create little websites around all of these different different things um he also says something in this book which i think is really fascinating ron especially for those of us who've been part of verisage for so long it is can you imagine a an assetless firm yes i can actually (laughs) (laughs) and think about that that's a pretty powerful statement right yeah yeah and 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 what verisage has become over the years is basically an assetless firm yeah a disembodied entity held together by a set of ideals and ideas as i like to say Mm -hmm. (laughs) he he did he did finally glom on to the whole economy and mind, if you will, not just the knowledge worker concept, but the whole, you know, intangible versus tangible or economy and mind, however you want to say it. And he, and he did give me some really good ways to express that. I think that were more colorful than what Drucker wrote about. Yep. No, absolutely. All right. Well, back already at our next break, want to remind you, you can get a hold of Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Want to plug the Patreon site. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash T-S-O-E, where you can go and listen to commercial-free versions of our show, as well as bonus episodes. And if we do do previews and, or upcoming shows ahead of time, which in this case we did, we pre-recorded our Free Rider Friday for next week already earlier today well guess what you will have that over this weekend and can listen to two shows this week 
instead of one. However, you will be then sadly missing us next week. So, you know, space it out however you want. But right now, a word from our sponsor. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Wherever your business is headed, Sage has the cloud solution you need to enable mobile accounting and simplify financial management. Discover how moving your financial data and accounting processes to the cloud can transform your business. Cloud accounting software from Sage can help you make better decisions, drive faster responses, and gain greater control. That's cloud accounting for the journey. For more information, visit sage.com forward slash US forward slash SOE. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking about memorable mentors, Tom Peters and Ed. In May of 1994, he put out the Tom Peters Seminar, Crazy Times Call for Crazy Organizations. And I think it was Tom Peters who made the crack that, you know, was Einstein on budget? How would you know? Who cares, right? And he had a great way of kind of summarizing the knowledge economy. This is another great line in that book. He says, does anyone know what it means to manage the human imagination? <laughs> and, and so that was a great way to articulate some of the concepts of a knowledge worker and how they're different from, you know, the industrial era or whatever. The, the other thing that he gave me that really, really hit home, especially when we talk about the replacing the performance appraisal he said, look, we, we're getting better at measuring quality and customer service, you know, and good for us and all of that. He says, but I've got a new one-dimensional measure of excellence. Would you want your son or daughter to work there? Right. And, and I believe Drucker said the same thing, by the way. He might have just mm-hmm. taken that from Drucker. Uh, but I think I saw it in Peter's first and then probably saw it in Drucker, you know, years later. But, you know, like he says, everything's in Drucker if you look hard enough. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And yeah, and he he goes on to say about, about that by the way. He says he he would also eviscerate business authors, you know, Harvard business stuff that he disagreed with. Yeah. Right? He was talking about this one or is this this happened to be in Fortune, which was which is a an article on the most admired global corporations in 1998. And he said, and these are the characteristics of them, according to the article. They minimize risk, respect the chain of command, support the boss, and make budget. <laughs> and he says, consider, are any of those four attributes characteristic of anyone who made the history books? 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. In fact, he said the you know these these dinosaur companies are are you know a result of our business graduate business school graduates, mm-hmm. and that's a that's a fair criticism. Of course, the other story that you know had a major impact on me is who could forget Walter, you know the taxi cab driver in right. New York. This is way before Uber, but you know yeah. here's a guy who you know, had a fruit basket and, you know, different stations on the radio and gave you a newspaper and, and all of that. And, and Peter's really slammed home. There's no such thing as a commodity. And of course that became a major theme. In fact, I was probably ranting at my first professional pricing society talk that there's no such thing as a commodity. I think that was the keynote I delivered and it was a rant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) But then I found this too in here, Ed. He talked about a doctor who ran a, an Australian physician who ran an experiment after 48 patients visited. He, he split them up you know, into two groups, as you would, and he sent tw- half of them a letter thanking them for their appointment and you know, having them um, uh, grade the visit and how did they think they were treated and all of that. And you know, it, it was <laughs> the, the ones that got that letter rated the visit with the doctor much, much higher satisfaction. He says the technical part of the act is far from the whole story and that the worth of the non-technical elements is often badly underestimated or not even considered. Sound familiar? I mean, this is, this is behavioral economics. This is alchemy that, that Roy Sutherland talks about. Yeah, absolutely. Just that that follow up, sending letters, just just checking in, and that's something that Fred Reichel drives home on in in his work as well. When he's talking about once once you've you've created a what he calls the grid of your customers, you know, putting your A's, B's, C's, D's customers out there, right? He then says, you know, what what are some strategies that you can do to take some of these B customers and move them to A's? And then the the primary one is, you know, what call them. Right. You just you just got to talk to them. Sometimes it's just t- for no reason. Just call. Right. You know? Right. But he was the it, he, he was the big advocate of having your top you know hundred clients on little index cards in your desk and calling four of them a week and you know mm-hmm. just talking to them. How's it going? And anything I can do? And just repeating the process over and over. Um, well, and I wanted to mention one thing, just going back to that. Now you've just reminded me, you know, he, he, the, you said you said earlier that he didn't really get the professional service firm, right? Be, in, in that, the, you know, he think that he he, he kind of overestimated or thought it was too too great considering the actual work in professional firms. Right. But there, you know, there is one difference. And that is, is that I don't think he ever mentions the word timesheet. And doesn't doesn't make any suggestion that in these it, when you transform your department into a firm that you should start to track stuff like that. Right. Yeah. No. I I can't remember reading anything because you know he was at McKinsey. They probably did do timesheets back in his day. Mm-hmm. And, and I and I've never really hear, heard him rant about that. But boy, if there's anything to rant about, there you go. <laughs> he also this book, um, The Pursuit of Wow introduced me or got me into um, Henry Mintzberg and his book, The Rise and Fall of Strategic Planning, which was just mm. the nail in the coffin. And in fact, I think we've talked about that in in one of our business book shows. I love that book. It's, it's definitely in my top hundred books of all time because it really, you know, this is the guy who said, well, 
you know, gee, we have this great plan, but you know, the idiots down below didn't execute it. Well, if you're so smart, why didn't you know we were idiots? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Right. You should have taken that into account. You should have factored it in. Right. You know, (laughs) it's funny to read these business books because, you know, obviously they get dated and that's, that's true in any business book, but he, he spends a lot of time in this one talking about Saturn, General Motors division that kind of revamped the, how they price. And, you know, they tried to set up a community of, of uh, family members and hold picnics for people, you know, for owners and all of that. And of course, GM cut that division long ago, but it just shows you that, you know, you, you can talk about how great a business is at a given point in time. This reminds me of the halo effect, Right. But business ain't science. I mean, tastes change, consumers change, you know, things change. There's just, it doesn't seem to be enduring principles, you know, other than just do the right thing and ethics and treat people right and all of that. But that's not enough. Well, and I'd be curious to know with this, with the whole Saturn thing, wh- why was it that uh, why was it that it failed? My guess is, is that it was it was fair, fairly well received from the customer base. They just didn't want to spend the money on it anymore. You know, there was it was budget cut. We, we, well, right. It, the other thing too that I, at least from what I've been able to read on Saturn, their big problem was they didn't have a way to trade people up. You bought a Saturn as kind of your first car, you know, maybe coming out of college or going into college because it was relatively cheap. It was hassle free. But then after you owned it for five years or so and started making some money and wanted to trade up, you had nowhere to go in Saturn. So you left and they couldn't they couldn't get that repeat business. Ah, so it was a no. It was they were the no dicker sticker, right? Is that the yes? I, yeah, I think something like that. And and the other thing that I thought uh, that uh, Peters did really well is he just blasted the whole TQM movement, as did Carl Albrecht. Um, but he, and and the ISO nine thousand quality standard. He quotes a guy from Motorola who who were totally into TQM and Lean Six Sigma and all of that. He mm-hmm. says, but with ISO nine thousand. You can still have terrible, you can still have a, a, like he says, you can make life jackets out of concrete. And as long as those jackets are made according to the documented procedures and the company (laughs) provides the next of kin with instructions on how to complain about defects, you'll still get certified. (laughs) So he ran about TQM. He says, I don't go to a play because the actors, you know, don't, uh, don't, you know, they, they don't flub any of their lines, right? It's like zero defects mm-hmm. on Broadway. He said, no, they could flub their lines. That's not, I, that's not why I like a play. I like to play because of its momentum and how it makes me feel and all of that. So. No, that's, that's a, that's a great point. He, 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 I found a thing in, in one of the books where he even railed on my guy, Phil, Philip Crosby, you know, the quality is free guy. Yeah. Um, he did not like the quote about quality is conformance to a requirement, not goodness. Did not like that. <laughs> at mm, all. Mm. Um, but yeah, he did. He did. He did eviscerate that whole thing. And I think did a pretty effective job at it as well. I, you know, it was funny walk reading through s- some of these materials. As you said, the examples, uh, you know, it was funny. There was not a, we didn't, I didn't see the word Amazon once right, <laughs> that didn't right. show up at all. Um, I don't even think Apple was in here at all as a as an example i'll tell you what one company was in here m- numerous times at least three times that i counted 
Ready? Enron. <laughs> oh, Enron, sure. Every all everybody wrote about Enron. Even economists like Paul Krugman got sucked into that. Uh-huh. Um, you know, one thing, Ed, in the uh, Tom Peters seminar, he does say, um, he quotes a book by Dwight Lee and Richard McKenzie, Failure and Progress, says, it's one of the most important books I've ever read. The creation of a market economy is a spontaneous and evolving process that can only emerge from freedom. Freedom is always disruptive. The case for a market economy has to not only accept, but also embrace the failures that are the result of market comp. And the lack of understanding of the essential role of economic failure stands as the biggest political obstacle to achieving free market prosperity in formerly socialist countries. And it just struck me, here he's writing this book in 94, saying this is the most important book he's ever read. He didn't know much about economics. And the reason I say that, I'll back that up, and I can't, I, I searched for this this morning, I couldn't find it, but around 97, 98, there was an Inc. magazine profile, and on the cover, back to back, was Tom Peters and George Gilder, and they had a debate in the pages of the magazine. I'm pretty sure it was Inc. It might have been Fortune, but I think it was Inc., and I just thought Gilder eviscerated him when it came to economics and explaining dynamism and Hayek and just the whole free market process. I just don't think Peters had a firm enough grasp on that. Of economics. I would, I would yeah. agree with that. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of things that he would say that just from an economics point of view made, made no sense at all. I don't think that he understood subjective theory of value very well. Yep. Um, and, and certainly he loved innovation, but he didn't understand that, that it, that, that the free market is required to have that. He's, he was actually a pretty, pretty staunch regulation guy. Although I will have to say this, when the whole thing went, went down with Enron, um, and didn't he give back his degree? He did, He's, didn't he? Uh, yeah, was he it sent Stanford? back his MBA. Yeah, he sent back his MBA. Yeah, I guess the, yeah. the sheepskin or whatever in protest because I guess the guy that he had for accounting, his accounting class was was on the board of directors of Enron or something, or 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 maybe it was with Anderson or something. But there was some right. some connection. Right. Yeah, no, you're right. That's exactly right. I'd forgotten about that, but he did give back his a his uh his mba you know he also wrote in in search of excellence he talked about the mayo you know the hawthorne experiments right and mm -hmm. uh, he tried to turn that into some great big scientific thing and matthew stewart and the management myth really takes him to task for that he says if you're nice to people in other words they will ultimately be nice back to you but this insight is a timeless precept grounded in ethics barely rising above tautology it is not and never will be a scientific finding. <laughs> <laughs> if you're nice to people, they'll be nice back. Yeah, no, that's not a scientific finding. It's absolutely not a scientific finding. All right, well, we've got one more segment on Memorable Mentors Tom Peters coming up after the break, but we want to remind you, you can get a hold of Ron or me. The best way to do that is email at, at ask, I'm sorry, asktsoe at verisage.com. The show notes are available as well as previews to upcoming shows at the Soul of Enterprise. And our Patreon site is out there for those of you interested in our commercial-free episodes as well as bonus episodes. But right now, a word from our sponsor and my employer, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. 
Wherever your business is headed, Sage has the cloud solution you need to enable mobile accounting and simplify financial management. Discover how moving your financial data and accounting processes to the cloud can transform your business. Cloud accounting software from Sage can help you make better decisions, drive faster responses, and gain greater control. That's cloud accounting for the journey. For more information, visit sage.com forward slash US forward slash SOE. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're talking about Tom Peters, one of our memorable mentors. And Ed, you know, The Management Myth by Matthew Stewart is a great book. We've talked about it multiple times and even profiled it, I think, on one of our shows. I do love it. And boy, if you want to just really read something highly critical of all the gurus, not just Peters, he picks on Peters, but he also picks on Jim Collins and just you name it. Uh, he also Drucker. And Peter Drucker. <laughs> As well, um, he, I love what he writes. As I plowed through my shelf full of management advice, I could not avoid contemplating an impolite question. How can so many bad books sell so well? <laughs> and you have to admit, I mean, I always say business, you know, in hell, the, the, the bookshelves are stuffed with business books. Um, but Stuart goes on to say that it's perhaps not surprising that the gurus contradict one another. Yeah, okay, you would expect that. What is one supposed to think when they contradict themselves? <laughs> <laughs> and they sometimes do. And, and they sometimes do. And he's got this line too. He says, if religion is the opium of the people, as Mark suggested, then management theory should probably count as a kind of amphetamine. Uh, I can't, I can't even talk today. Uh, amphetamine. <laughs> amphetamine. Thank you. Amphetamine. It causes agitation and hyperactivity. And I think there's, it, it's always like we're always searching for the next thing. You know, when you read a lot of business books, like what's the next big idea? And, and he certainly ushered that in. Mm-hmm. With the way he structured in search of excellence, you know, with the eight points and all of that. True. And, you know, hey, look, to a certain extent, you and I are guilty about that. We're, we're, we're always looking for the next thing we want to talk about. I, I would say subscription is probably floating into that category. And we were even talking about how there's this subs- subscription overload now in some cases. Right, right. So, but, well, in, in, a, in a piece that Peter's penned for on November 30th, 2001, issue of uh, Fast Company magazine. And what I find interesting about this is that the byline on this is Tom Peters, and it's the story of him writing In Search of Excellence with Bob Waterman. And he you know, basically says, 
I, I, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Right. Like this is his, it's called true confessions. But one of the confessions is that he faked his data. Right. And I'm going to read, this is verbatim direct from the article again, byline Tom Peters confession. Number three, this is pretty small beer, but for what it's worth. Okay. I confess we faked the data. A lot of people suggested it at the time. The big question was how do you end up viewing these companies as excellent companies? A little while later, when a bunch of the excellent companies started to have some down years, that also became a huge accusation. If those companies are so excellent, Peters, then what are they doing so ba- Why are they doing so badly now? Which I pretty much say misses the point. Right? And so it's I- interesting to see that, that he admits this. But then there was another article that was published December 1st of 2001. So a couple days later in which he says, nah, I really didn't mean, or it was, he says it was, um, what was the, the, the quote in here? Shoot. I can't find it now. Uh, aggress- an aggressive headline. Hmm. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> it's not an aggressive headline. It's a quote from you. So I don't know. Uh, look, I do think this, and, I, and this is where I'll give him some 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 props for, for this. He he he's right that the it, the data doesn't matter. What you what I always try to take away from the business books, and even the stuff that you know we you and I have talked about, uh, Jim Collins and Built to Last and Good to Great, and all of those companies that have struggled and really have have gone down, is is not that these companies have some formula, but they're doing something at the time that works. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what it is. It's all about innovation and agility. And you know, as Darwin said, survival of the most adaptable. So it's not about just plugging in the numbers into the spreadsheet and making it work. It's a it's about adaptability in the long run. I think that's that is really the biggest takeaway and lesson for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would agree with that. And again, I kind of, it goes back and I know we've made this point so many times, but it seems like all the gurus are concerned about the longevity of of companies, whereas economists don't really even look at that. They could care less if a company hangs around for 10 or a hundred years. What they care about is that constant market tested innovation. Right. And that there's a, you know, that there's a, that the, that the weather is ripe for the garden to, to do that, you know, to grow new companies and, and keep taking risks and have entrepreneurs innovate. It's less, much less about which company is going to stand the test of time. That's so true. And, and, and even change and morph. Right. And, uh, and one of the, you know, it's funny, one of the examples that I came across in the book that he does use, and he does cite as, as, in in a lot of this work is at the time Nokia. Mm-hmm. Remember how remember how yeah. big their handsets were. Yep. Right. And what a, and I don't know if you're aware of this, but Nokia started out as a lumber company in Norway or something. Yeah, they made paper. They made toilet yeah. paper and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yep. And didn't they have the Didn't they have the the iPhone screen, the touch screen in their R and D, but they just didn't get it to market. Yeah, that is absolutely correct. Yep. Yep. So. You know, the other thing that, that I really like, uh, and, and Drucker makes this point too, but, but Stuart makes it really good. You know, the central insight of management theory are in fact, the stock and trade of the humanities disciplines. Management theory is in fact already a branch of the humanities 
it just may not know it yet. And and I yeah. think that's so true. He says a good manager is nothing more or less than a good and well-educated person. I, I just, you know, we'd be better off, I think, if the business schools taught more humanities, philosophy, logic, rather than some of the, you know, the, like the business case study. Oh, geez. Can you think of a dumber way to, you know, what's the story that Russ Roberts told? He just mentioned it a couple of yes. weeks ago. You know, he talked to a CEO and it, it, the, the company was struggling and he did what he thought was right. And the company went down even faster. And Russ asked him what happened. He said, I applied the wrong case. He, yep. <laughs> he was a Harvard guy. And I just, right. you know, if you've ever done, I'm sure you've done some of those case studies, Ed. I just, oh God, yeah. Such a waste of time. It, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, no, it's it's awful. They're they're awful, and and they're they're not so not based in any kind of reality at all. Um, you know, and if and I know you and I both like to make fun of them. You know, the the whole story of Apple and the iPod. You know, October two thousand one, thirty five other players in the marketplace already. Uh, w- would you then put your come to market with a with your product and price it at two and a half times the price of the nearest competitor, right? <laughs> like put that in the Harvard Business Review case study, figure that out. And of course, the one that Rory Sutherland loves to talk about, and we're going to talk more about his book Alchemy in a future, as well as our interview with him. You know, Red Bull. Yes, let's make a drink that that t- tastes crappy. Right? Tastes like crap. Yeah. Tastes tastes like crap. Is more expensive than than Coke. Um, and what's, and what's the other one? There was the third one. Oh, is, and you get less of it. You're less of it. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> and it's wildly successful. <laughs> right. right. Well, it kind of goes back to your line, business ain't science. And this idea that you can study it like it is science, like math, like uh, Stuart says in this book, the management myth, you, you, you know, you can study uh, the science of shopping, but that doesn't make the science that it doesn't mean that there is a science of shopping. <laughs> <laughs> you can call it that, but you can't. <laughs> right. We, we humans are more complex than that, and this is a human endeavor. So I just, you know, I kind of like Lappin's analogy that we can build airplanes and bridges and boats that almost have like a hundred percent perfection rate, you know, of floating mm-hmm. or flying or standing, and yet businesses and marriages have an incredibly high failure rate. Mm-hmm. And that's because one's spiritual and one's material. Yeah, very true. And all right, well, to to wrap this up, Ron, I just 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 some props to to Tom Peters. He he definitely was an influence over over me for getting some big ideas out there. And yeah. for that, we we salute him and his work. So thanks, Tom, for all of the great work that you've uh, been able to share with us. And we hope you continue to share it. Yep, keep going. <laughs> so, Ed, yeah. what's on store for next week? I know you mentioned it, but let's mention yep. it again. Absolutely. Next week, we're going to replay our interview with George Gilder, who has recently lit up the presses again with his Huawei test article. But we're going to talk to him next week on his book, The uh, Life After Google. We hope you give that a listen. And- oh, that's July 5th show, by the way. Next week is Free Rider Friday. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's okay so you've gone two weeks out now that's I'm good gone two weeks out i appreciate all right. it all right and i'll see you in 167 hours there you go this has been the soul of enterprise business in the knowledge economy sponsored by sage Energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people 
and the power of technology. Join us next week on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific for Free Rider Friday. In the meantime, please feel free to visit us at www.thesoulofenterprise.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit 